Welcome to Over the Air Christian Podcast. It is July 17th today at the time of this recording. There has now been 17 churches burned down in the region of Western Canada, Ontario, Halifax since four weeks ago, throughout Canada Day of the year 2021. Very recently, more than a thousand bodies were found in unmarked graves in the grounds of residential schools that began as early as the 19th century. Under church stewardship and government directives, the bodies of these persons were recently detected by ground-penetrating radar technologies that probably would have appeared like science fiction tools at the time these residential schools were set up. There had been many questions and stories coming forward about the school practice in these places or the cause of death. Had there been any unfair treatment of abuse assault or more. Emotions run high for indigenous communities and Canadians across the country. There were illegal arsons. Some of the churches that were burnt down were already emptied and abandoned years ago before they were burnt down, where there is no more gathering for any worship offered to God or any spiritual work at all. Not all churches that were burned down were related to any residential schools. Uh, some churches have spoken out and asked for appropriate context in regards to proper graveyards and unmarked graves. There has been public outcry for justice and fair settlement paid forward from the church to indigenous communities out of the lands and assets, lands which were once in the possession of the First Nations lands on which crimes may have been committed to younger children. Uh, There is a need for more context, uh, investigations, clarity, accountability, and records from every side, and this is a developing situation. Every crisis must de-escalate before resolution is reached. I'm putting out this episode in a scramble to make some proper sense of the situation with the Bible. And I'm hoping both the justice and mercy of God found in the Bible, as I'm about to demonstrate, is what we need to unite us all, not just within the church, but with every section of society, communities, and positions involved. Yes, I do believe there is a way forward for everyone to come out of this situation doing better. It is a tall order, but no taller than the highest heaven from whence we receive the special revelation that is the Bible and the Word of God. I'm putting out this podcast episode to fellow pastors, Christian ministers, leaders of the church, elders and stewards, everyone who is in search for answers from the Bible, and all the disciples and followers of Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God, and as we so honor him on our lips, Jesus is the Redeemer. There is a lot in us and about us that needs redeeming. That's why we call ourselves Christians, that he paid for and bought us with his blood and by his death. And we the Christians belong to Jesus this way. He settled our debt of sin. Uh, This is to prepare you, equip you with knowledge of the word of God. Read the Bible well and be ready with it. Read the Bible with me. Pray and act accordingly, please. I have two texts. From the Bible, I will highlight, read, and explain line by line. I'm also keeping this very concise and to the point as efficiently as I could. The first text is Genesis chapter 4. This is the place where Abel was murdered by Cain, his fellow man. 
Genesis chapter four, chapter four, verse eight. Cain said to his brother Abel, "Let us go out to the field." And when both went out there, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Cain made a suggestion; it was his idea. He took the initiative and made the invitation to lead Abel, his younger brother, out in the open field and killed him there. This is where the older took advantage against the younger. Verse nine. Then the Lord said to Cain, "Where is your brother Abel?" Cain said, "I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper?" Cain here was straight up lying. Of course, he knew where Abel was in the ground. Cain was practically the last person who saw him. He took the initiative and brought him out in the field and killed him there. And then God was the one who announced Abel's body that was hidden there. A minute ago, Cain was bringing offerings to worship God, and now he turned the whole situation around as if to turn the blame on God and accuse God. Am I my brother's keeper? God, aren't you my brother's keeper instead? God, looking back. And it's no wonder that God did not find Cain's offering or worship acceptable. Verse ten, and the Lord said, "What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground." Verse ten tells us two things about our God, the God of the Bible. Number one, God is interested in what we do according to our actions. Whether in good or evil, he is concerned about what we have done. He said to Cain, "What have you done? No matter who we are, whether we are saint or sinner, God takes concern in what is done, what we have done, and what we do." Number two, God listens. God even listens to those who have already died. The God of the Bible is concerned. With what we have done, and not only that, and he hears, present tense, the cries of those who bled and died in the ground. God listens, for the blood that is spilled and buried in the ground. Can I hear it? Do I know their stories? Had they the freedom and the mouth to tell it? Can I hear it? No, I cannot, and I never will. I will not get to know the stories of each person who was buried in the ground, but my God hears it all. My God is the God of the Bible, and my God hears the blood of the victim buried deep in the ground, crying. Had there been no peace, God listens to a person's crying even after they have died, even for the blood which runs red deep in the ground. If they had been assaulted, abused. Hurt, taken advantage of, like Abel here. God hears it. God hears it. God listens to the blood that cries out from the ground. This is the God of justice. God is not deaf. God is not distant. God is not silent on this matter either. For our God to listen to those who even bled and died in the ground, the very least that all God's children can do now is, in like manners, to listen to the living survivors. That is what the God of heaven and earth does. He listens. His children, 
that are his, born of spirit and water, will certainly do likewise. Listening to what needs to be told. It was Cain here who was guilty that shakes his head and says, I don't know, it's been a minute. I I have no recollection of him. To Cain, both punishment and hope is handed down by God to him. Verse 11 and on. The Lord said, you are cursed from the ground, as in the ground where your brother is dead and buried, crying out from by his blood spilled there. You are cursed from the ground where your brother's blood was received. Cain was a gardener and a ground tiller. The ground was his field of industry and work. And when a sin was committed at his workplace, that's where he kept it hidden. And now the place where he works became a curse to him. He now had difficulty in reaping his reward from his work because he, he buried, he hid his sin in his workplace. And this curse happened due to the way Cain killed and hid his brother in the ground where he works and without answering to God. Yes, this was a curse according to the Bible, but hope is on the way. For more on idolatry of the land as a result of the pandemic since the year 2020, listen to Over the Air Christian Podcast right here, Season 1, Episode 5, Fourth Plague from the Book of Exodus, about the idolatry of the land. Genesis 4 is the first text. Now the second text. Deuteronomy 21. Deuteronomy 21 sets up the frame of context, the parties involved, and the procedure to resolution, or more precisely, absolution from guilt. This is how it starts at verse 1, Deuteronomy 21. If in the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess, pause right here, God gives and delegates land spaces. Every church is built on grounds that are given by God. And every week, Canadians across the country sing the anthem, God keep our land. God keeps the land that is ours. It all means something very significant. God gives and delegates land spaces. If in the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess, a body is found lying in the open country, and it is not known who struck the person, still in verse 1, This death wasn't of natural cause. It is not known who struck the person. There is reason to believe a perpetrator was involved and the culprit could not be found or identified. That's the situation. Verse 2. Then elders and judges shall come out. And the practice is to determine who gives oversight to a specific area of the land. Notice the parties involved here according to the Bible are elders and judges. Elders is a title that tribal groups are very familiar with. Elders of tribes and township are one of the parties involved according to the Bible that comes to the table for discussions. And the other groups are judges. Judges are the ones who bear judicial and governing responsibilities And they are the other group who must also take part in this discussion. According to the Bible, these two groups must start talking and start acting. 
Things cannot work out if either of these groups were to disappear or walk away from the situation. Titles and positions assigned these are the parties involved, and they must come forward. Elders and judges, and with preparations, elders and judges approach. Verse five, they approach the priests. In the time of the Old Testament, this would have been the sons of Levi. The priests, according to verse five, are those chosen by God. To minister blessings in God's name, that is the role of the priesthood. In contemporary terms, priesthood is generally associated with the church. Of course, according to the Bible, it is the right practice for elders and judges to approach the priesthood of the church in a matter such as this: an unknown death in the open field. So, in Deuteronomy twenty-one. There are three primary parties coming together: community and tribal elders, governing judicials, and the order of priesthood as chosen and affirmed by God, commonly understood as the church. Second part of verse five: by their decision together, all cases of disputes and assaults must be settled. The instruction of the Bible clearly outlines. That there must be settlement when a person's body is found just out in the country, a settlement must be reached on the terms of any disputes or disagreements, and not only that, but also assaults that may be involved. This settlement does not merely involve agreeing to what happened or how it happened or where, but a settlement must be reached for any assaults or abuse of any physical nature, any sinful or criminal act that is committed. So it says in the Bible: disputes and assaults. It is not one or the other; it is both. This is the instruction of the Bible for this type of situation, with these parties involved, aiming at these objectives by having these conversations to reach settlement with disputes, disagreements, abuses, or assaults. And all of this is according to the Bible. This is the goal. However, this isn't the only goal. In fact, this goal. Is only the means to an even greater goal beyond a much-needed and higher goal. There's a greater goal beyond this settlement. The settlement itself is a great goal, but it is also a means to a greater goal. Verse eight. Verse eight is a prayer, or rather, an instruction on what to pray for. It says, "Absolve, O Lord, absolve your people," as in. Remove the guilt from your people. Do not let the guilt of innocent blood remain in the midst of the collective of the society or community, all the people of God. Even though the perpetrator could not be found, now the prayer in verse eight immediately confirms three things. Number one. The blood of those who died, found in open country or the ground, may well be innocent. It says in verse eight, "Do not let the guilt of innocent blood remain among the people." Number two, yes, someone was indeed guilty of those who died. Yes, someone was guilty, and that guilt must be acknowledged. Number three, an even greater assertion is yes. That guilt can be removed. Yes, innocence can be restored, and that is the gospel. And this is a very weighty and tremendous grip of hope. 
anyone who has come face to face with the weight of their own guilt knows the need for this kind of hope or the relief that hope can bring. I say to Jesus, yes, I had been guilty, but because of you, my guilt was removed in front of you and my innocence can be restored. Who would ever not wish to return to a simpler time or more innocent times? And the Lord says yes to that. Verse 8, Absolve, O Lord, your people whom you redeemed. Do not let the guilt of innocent blood remain in the midst of your people. Then, as in after this prayer, then, then they will be absolved of the blood guilt. This is verse 8 from Deuteronomy 21. You see, this moment of prayer is the goal of removing the guilt before God. However, Reaching this point of absolution, of guilt being removed, according to the Bible, requires two things. One of which we've already talked about, it is the settlement. That involves both the elders and the judges. The settlement comes first, before the prayer of absolution. And as you can see, elders, judges, priests, all three parties need each other. The settlement was reached first in verse 5, and then the prayer comes after at verse 8. No settlement, no prayer. No prayer, no absolution. No absolution, no innocence restored. No blessings in the name of the Lord. There may well be no priesthood at all. Once settlement is reached, and settlement can be reached, and there is a time for prayer afterwards, a prayer which God will most certainly honor. Since this instruction is according to the Bible and God's inspired word, this is the way to proceed. There can be guilt involved and there will be guilt that is removed. Innocence that is restored and blessings that come by the name of the Lord over the land and amongst his people once again. Yes, there is a way forward. In this way, the priesthood of the church order stands in an outstanding and a very unique position in many ways. There's one more development after settlement is reached, before there can be peace for everyone, that must not be overlooked. It is a ceremony. Ceremonies are also another custom of tribal significance, which elders often take part in, especially when it comes to sacrificial procession. They mean something. Ceremonies carry significance. Historic ceremonies carry historic significance. This ceremony in Deuteronomy 21, this ceremony is prepared by elders and presented to the priest with the judges, involving a specific sort of animal sacrifice. Described in verse 3, this ceremony involves a young and innocent heifer, a young cow, one which unlike Cain had never tilled the ground or worked any labor. This was an animal sacrifice. However, and this is a pinnacle of this message, however, a sacrifice has already been prepared even now. Yes, the God of the Bible is the God who prepares his own sacrifice for the peace he makes with the people who were guilty against him. Let me say that one more time. The God of the Bible is the God who prepares his own sacrifice for the peace he makes with the people 
who are guilty against him. That is the God of the Bible. And that sacrifice is Jesus Christ, Son of God. What it means now today to be a follower of Jesus is to acknowledge the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross as prepared by God so that no more sacrifice is necessary. Jesus is sufficient. No more. No more sacrifices. Jesus is sufficient because Jesus is enough. Jesus is worthy and most acceptable by God. And to demonstrate a spiritual obedience to the Bible on the basis of Deuteronomy 21 now becomes an act of worship that affirms the sacrifice of Jesus as a way to make peace, settle, and restore innocence. This is a much-needed, higher goal that God requires. What Jesus had done for us, we can also do because of Him. That's what makes us Christians. God prepares the sacrifice that must be done. And he restores what was sacrificed. That's why there is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He is sufficient. He is more than a conqueror. He is resurrected living Christ. That is the measure of our faith in the God of the Bible all through Jesus Christ. This is how we believe in a God who had prepared His Son, Jesus Christ, for us. At the ultimate display of His death by crucifixion, for every Eucharist or communion, like a ceremony, we partake to remember His death. He died so that we can become the people of God by our own guilt being absolved. Verse 9, the last line of this segment. So you shall... Another way to say this, so you can, this is the way that you must, you have to, in this way, you shall, so you shall purge the guilt of innocent blood from your midst in your congregation or in your community or society because you must, you have to, you ought to, you must do what is right in the sight of the Lord. The Bible outlines the instruction and then says, yes, this is the right thing that you must do in the sight of the Lord. The Lord is watching. God is watching over this situation and you must do what is right. And this is the instruction of what is right. Therein, I find, is the most beautiful paradox prevailing. Someone was guilty. Otherwise, we wouldn't be having this conversation about absolving guilt by context. We don't know who was guilty. And even in a community or society where someone may have been guilty, there is a right way and a right thing that they can do together. There is a way of righteousness available to them while they are in the wrong. Though guilty and at fault, there is still a way of righteousness open to them. Sin and crime is not the end. And that is nothing like the response of Cain. Yes, there is hope for peace in all of this. Settlement, ceremony, absolution, and peace. Read the Bible well. Read it prayerfully. Read it well and carefully. And you are in the care of the Holy Spirit. At the start, I said my hope is for justice 
and mercy of God found in the Bible to unite us through those in the graves not marked justice and mercy are in both the settlement and the ceremony justice and mercy are both in the settlement and ceremony justice in the settlement for some to give and others to receive again for what has been taken that can neither be counted nor measured to serve and minister justice justice demonstrated again in the symbolic ceremony as a reminder of something real mercy in the settlement for those who took and those who were taken that could never be replaced or given back instead mercy in the symbolic ceremony that Jesus replaced our guilt with his innocence my prayer goes out to residential school survivors anyone in communities that are affected for peace that will come and peace that can come and a peace that you can receive because of Jesus Christ alone that is very special my prayer for christians and disciples of jesus who live in canada to look forward with hope for innocence and to look forward to a new work of jesus which we all need constantly prayer for elders government officials priests and pastors to lay down pride release the grip of any earthly possessions prayer for them prayer for every section to renew discernment sound judgment humility and in humility look not to their own interests alone but amongst themselves look to the interests of the others that everyone may all be blessed in order to bless others help each other in being faithful and that will do very well for a step forward amen